six of the 20. That could change the outcome of the football game. Memphis will work out of the shotgun. 10 to 7, San Francisco. Snap is high. Hurry, it's coming at him. He gets away. Head to the left sideline. Throws. He's got a man. And an end zone. Touchdown, 49ers. You've got to see it to believe it. Frank Gore makes the catch after it appeared that quarterback Smith was dead in the water and was going to be sacked. You know, if you believe everything everybody seems to be telling us, the sacking of Alex Smith as the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers is all but decided. Hello again and welcome, 49ers fans, to another episode of the 49ers Paradise Podcast. I am your backup quarterback, Indiana Jim, and I'm praying for first-team reps. I want my first-team reps right now. My first-team reps. So how's it going, everybody? How, how, how are things since your 49ers demolished the Green Bay Packers in preseason action down at the stick? And yes, we can call it the stick again, even though I never stopped. Three calm, monster, doesn't matter. It's always been the stick to me, and it's always going to be the stick. So we're here to discuss that amazing performance against the Green Bay Packers in San Francisco on, what was it, Saturday? Yeah, got a short week coming up to the Bears. So really, I think we need to just get to some of that Green Bay game action. In the preseason matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, Candlestick Park saw the emergence of a different 49ers team. Okay, enough of that crap. (laughs) In the National Football League, men like J.T. O'Sullivan are not starting quarterbacks. Look, guys, for the first quarter and, and half of the second quarter, J.T. O'Sullivan was absolute garbage. He was 3 for 10 for 40 yards and a really, really dumb interception. Um, Against the first-team defense with um, Al Harris, I think is his name, and Charles Woodson, O'Sullivan couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Remember that slant that he hit Morgan in perfect stride against the Raiders? Yeah, this one, this time, it went way behind the defender even. Uh, They said Alex Smith keeps throwing behind receivers, so this one was really behind the receiver. He didn't do anything effectively. He got the ball on a couple, on a quick out to Vernon and a hook pattern to Vernon that, um, well, really were okay, but they weren't spectacular. When he finally hit his stride, was about seven minutes left in the second, and I'll admit, I'll be a man. He made a nice throw to Jason Hill, and he followed up with a nice throw to Josh Morgan on the left sideline. That was pretty good. However, did you see what they did with four downs at the goal line? Not really at the goal line. It was probably just inside the five. Um, well, they basically did the same thing they did with Alex Smith. They ran the ball four straight times, which I thought was rather unusual, especially since... Mike Martz professes to love J.T. O'Sullivan and have the utmost confidence in him. Uh, but I think he did that more to give the offense some confidence, really, than J.T. O'Sullivan. When this happened, a lot of us assumed maybe, you know, he'd had enough reps, maybe Smith will come in, run the two-minute drill. Noah Sullivan comes back in. 
and did okay. Hit a couple a couple short routes there. But really, what, what got everybody all excited was his throw to Josh Morgan when Josh Morgan broke open on a completely blown coverage. Um, if that coverage is not blown, J.T. O'Sullivan's ball doesn't get anywhere close to Josh Morgan. When Morgan breaks free and O'Sullivan finally releases the ball, it looks like he's about to scramble when he, when he sees him and just kind of flicks it over there. If it weren't for Josh Morgan, that ball would be on the ground because Josh Morgan made a shoestring catch on that play and turned it into a touchdown. Now, anybody that comes back and says, oh, well, he improved, he got better, not really. He pretty much got lucky on that play and uh, under normal circumstances probably wouldn't have completed that pass. And I know plenty of people who can be critical of Alex Smith and say similar things, but look, People like Tim Kawakami, who I lambast every chance I get, and will later in this episode, will tell you J.T. O'Sullivan is not good. Of course, he will maintain that Alex Smith is not good yet. But he will also tell you, and he said this on, on KMBR with Ralph Barbieri, he said that Alex Smith is a better quarterback than J.T. O'Sullivan. So let's let's talk about uh, some good stuff that happened. Josh Morgan, again, five catches, 114 yards. This dude is a stud, absolute stud. Um, catches pretty much everything that comes his way. And, you know, especially that 59-yarder, it was all him. You know, kudos to O'Sullivan for getting rid of it, but Morgan made that touchdown happen. Um, You know, Alex Smith, not as good, say, statistically, as he was last week. Uh, Lower percentage, 5 of 12, when last week it was 5 of 9. But the thing is, there are some people denying that Alex Smith was in a better rhythm, and, and I really don't see that. Now he's, he was throwing balls high this time when before he was kind of throwing low and low and outside. Um, he threw some real high passes, especially the one uh, to Jason Hill in the back of the end zone, which of course is getting a lot of a lot of play. Um, normal quarterback issues. I mean, that's just one you like to have back, but because it's Alex Smith, it's analyzed to the point of you know, nauseam. And the same thing with J.T. O'Sullivan. We analyze everything he does. We are forced to analyze everything because of this competition. Um, but, you know, with O'Sullivan now getting first-team reps, still getting first-team reps, I can see Mike Nolan's part about maintaining the continuity of the week. That's fine. I also believe that with March's system, you're supposed to throw the ball to a spot, not necessarily to a receiver. So timing shouldn't be an issue. Um, except for the underthrow to Josh Morgan, which I've never seen Alex Smith underthrow a deep ball. I've seen him overthrow plenty, and he was overthrowing all game. So why would he all of a sudden underthrow a deep route? I mean, Morgan had to stop that route abruptly. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had to stop that route abruptly. And, you know, I'm going to go with the wind just because I can. But <laughs> either way, you know, that wasn't that that was an opportunity missed, and so was the touchdown, uh, the erstwhile touchdown to Jason Hill. Um, so, you know, we, we overanalyze everything. But, but see, here's the thing. J.T. O'Sullivan, again, once the backup corners came in and he got lucky on that play to Morgan, um, you know, when the backups came in, that's when he started hitting these passes. And Kabir Bajabiamillo was out. A.J. Hawk was out. Uh, some of the starters were out anyway, and he was garbage for his first 10 attempts. Uh, 
Um, you see O'Sullivan struggling against first teamers, like he did against the Raiders. You know, like he did. You know, actually, he was better against the Raiders than he was against Green Bay. I mean, he came right out and he hit the slants and he hit the post to Morgan and he, you know, hit some throws there, just made some boneheaded mistakes. But he was worse at the beginning of the Green Bay game. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think you're going to see consistency on Thursday. You're going to see J.T. O'Sullivan look like crap against first-teamers, and you're going to see Alex, step, Alex Smith take another small step forward. Um, more on that later. Let's talk about the defense. Holy cow, did the defense show up. Absolutely amazing the rush that they were getting. Ray McDonald just bulldozed the left guard of the Packers, the starting left guard of the Packers, and just jumped on top of Aaron Rodgers to force a fourth down for a field goal. Isaac Sopoaga was getting in the backfield. Justin Smith was practically clothesline held on a play, went around the quarterback, came back, and had the sack. Manny Lawson got some action rushing the passer. It was just all over the place. Aaron Rodgers was just getting hammered. And I know some people posed that perhaps Mike Nolan engineered this so Aaron Rodgers would look bad. No, he just plain looked bad. Tim Kamakami again says, well, it was a short week, so, you know, savor this one, 49er fans, because it's not going to happen. Well, whatever. You know, I don't know. I saw some decent plays. I saw Frank Gore looking good. I mean, he was ducking through holes faster than I'd ever seen him do. Uh, he looks a lot more like Marshall Falk than he, you know, he, he looks like he's got rid of some of that extra, you know, body fat and just looks really good out there. Um, offensive line looked great against Green Bay. Didn't give up any sacks uh, for anybody. Opened up, just opened up these passing lanes for O'Sullivan that just I could not believe. <laughs> Even some for Alex Smith. Um, gosh, just the defense just looks incredible. And, and I hope that they can, you know, get some of that going again against the Bears even on a short week road trip. Uh, you know, you might see the 49ers come out listless again on Thursday. They might do that. And, you know, we'll see. The Thursday is going to be really interesting because we now know that J.T. O'Sullivan is going to start the game against the Bears. I'm hoping <clears throat> in, uh, in fairness that Alex Smith gets some first-team action in a preseason game. Uh, instead of just being completely shut out of first-team action. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Josh Morgan, again, amazing. And Alan Rossum, did you see the spin move? I've never, never seen an open-field punt return spin move. You know, <clears throat> when the defense is coming down at you full speed and you make a spin move like that and duck past three more guys, absolutely amazing. And I just can't wait to see him uh, in the regular season. And... Sean Hill I didn't see much of, but he didn't do too much. He threw the ball five times, completed it twice. Yeah, that poor kid, he's out of the competition anyway. So, anyway, <clears throat> that's enough of that. And let's get to uh, tonight's rant. Rant of the week. But first, a word about Mike Nolan. Forgive me, guapo. I know that I have a... Do not have your superior intellect and education. But could it be that once again, you are angry at something else and are looking to take it out on me? Yes, that, I think that quote applies to Mike Nolan more than, more than any other, really. He chose poorly. 
Well, maybe I did. Maybe I did uh, uh, choose choose poorly. But now, like I said, the next you're up for another rant here. I got a bad feeling about this. Can we stop with the melodrama? Can we rid the Bay Area media of the garbage? No, I suppose we won't be rid of Tim Kawakami that easily. What I'm talking about is the journalistically irresponsible line that suggests J.T. O'Sullivan has competitive fire while Alex Smith and Sean Hill do not. And understand me, I don't care if it's Alex Smith or J.T. Sullivan, O'Sullivan. I don't care if it's Kyle Orton and Rex Grossman. I don't care if it's Jake DeLome and Vinny Testaverde. I don't care who we're talking about with this competitive fire business. First, among so many problems with this, is how do you define competitive? How do you define fire? Ooh, it's hot. Ooh. There is one simple fact being trounced here. No one makes it on any NFL roster without being competitive. To suggest anyone in this league has no competitive fire is ludicrous. People who have lost that competitive spirit leave the game of football. Sometimes the competition lends itself to business, coaching, or the front office of a franchise. Being competitive manifests itself in so many ways on the field. One of the reasons Joe Montana was dubbed Joe Cool was that you didn't see him lose his temper on the field in any demonstrable fashion. Usually, he channeled that into what Randy Cross dubbed the silent assassin. He was steely-eyed and quiet, preferring to show his competitive nature in his play. He always stepped up his game in the moments that most people wilt under the pressure. In the late season games, he always stepped up. In the playoffs, when things are much faster and much more intense, Joe Montana was at his best in the postseason. Steve Young was a much different person. Oftentimes, as he played second fiddle to Montana, he was kind of a brooding, almost petulant individual in the locker room with media interviews after particularly tough losses. His historic blow-up at George Seifert on the sidelines in 1994 clearly outdistanced anything Montana ever displayed on the field, but... These are elements of differing personality. They're just different people. The question then turns to who is doing the defining. So far, it's the print media, especially the bloggers. Tim Kawakami of the Mercury News, Kevin Lynch of the Chronicle, Matt Mayoko of the Press Democrat, and Matt Barrows of the Sacramento Bee. I'm calling them out for buying into this ridiculously loose and indefinable statement. This contributes nothing to the actual analysis of the game or the players. It's akin to putting words in someone's mouth, only we're dealing with motivations and emotions here. How can you tell someone they are not competitive? Apparently, the standard for the media is one J.T. O'Sullivan. The only reason to bring it up is to somehow relate it to the product on the field, so let's see how O'Sullivan's competitive fire, or edge, translates to the game. People have said that Alex Smith should stop being so careful and develop a gunslinger's mentality. They praise J.T. O'Sullivan for being a risk-taker. What has that gotten for him? A rainbow over Deshaun Foster's head into double coverage for an interception. A seven-yard lateral to Foster in the middle of a would-be sack. An ill-advised lob to Foster on a swing route that saw him leveled. A three-for-ten performance against Green Bay starters that witnessed a throw that could have been intercepted twice on the same play. A briefcase-carrying running style that leaves the football exposed to any salivating defensive lineman. The Raiders found that to be very beneficial. Did you see when he scrambled to the left sideline? He's carrying the ball out in front of him on the right, the inside of the field. Big no-no. Does he have it tucked up into his chest? No. That's why he fumbled it against the Raiders. That's why he's going to fumble it again in a future game in the regular season. 
Maybe Alex Smith isn't the kind of guy to call out a teammate who does something wrong, a la J.T. O'Sullivan gesturing at Delaney Walker during a timeout. Maybe Alex Smith isn't the kind of guy to wave impatiently at his teammates to get into a huddle on second down in the middle of the first quarter. Maybe Alex Smith isn't the kind of guy who needs to warm up and instead drives his team right down into scoring position on his second possession instead of his fifth or sixth. Maybe Alex Smith is the kind of player who gets the 49ers into scoring position more often per rep than O'Sullivan. Maybe Alex Smith isn't the kind of player to make stupid decisions and play like a fish out of water. Maybe Alex Smith is what this team needs, not J.T. O'Sullivan. They both have rather been rather mediocre, you would think, with first-team repetitions and previous knowledge that J.T. O'Sullivan had of this offense, you would think he would be demonstrably better. He's not. They've both been mediocre, except Alex Smith hasn't been as bad. J.T. O'Sullivan has made very stupid mistakes, and Alex Smith has done nothing but, you know, not turn the ball over. I think that's kind of important. So all things being equal, J.T. O'Sullivan hasn't done anything to prove that he's the best option to start the regular season. When the 49ers take the field against Chicago in this short week, we're going to see the consistency on offense, like I said before. We're going to see J.T. O'Sullivan once again show his true colors, that he may be good in practice, but put him on a field with men and he'll fail under the lights when the real bullets are flying. We're going to once again see Alex Smith take that next step forward in his development. It might be a small step, could be a huge step, but he's going to take that step and make this quarterback decision a little harder for the powers that be. I'm going to go out on a limb, but not much of one, in saying that Alex Smith may not be declared the starting quarterback before the season begins, but somewhere during this season, Smith will once again be the starting quarterback because when that decision is made, it'll be right. And the next time someone asks you about J.T. O'Sullivan's edge, Ask them if they think he misplaced his shaving gel. Well, that's a short episode this week. About 18, 19 minutes. Um, glad everybody came along again, if you did come along again. Um, thank you for joining me. I am Indiana Jim. He has an intense, physically imposing side. And uh, a yes. mild-mannered, rather elusive That's right. I'm six foot three, two seventy. I can be kind of imposing if you. A know. man possessing Re- sprinters' okay, speed, really. fullback uh, power, well, and receivers' hands. I mean, speed, no. <laughs> uh, but thanks, John Fakenda. John Fakenda, everybody. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to leave your feedback for the 49ers Paradise, there's a bunch of numbers you can call that I completely forgot and don't have in front of me. Way to go, Jim. Great job. And thanks to the magic of podcasting and a very helpful pause button, I have those numbers in front of me now. If you want to call in to the 49ers Paradise and leave your comments from San Francisco, you can dial 1-415-376-7297. At the prompt, dial 747-628-7149 to be connected to 49ers Paradise. You can also go on the webpage if you have a microphone handy or a headset handy. You can click on the microphone icon or phone icon at the top of the page. You can contact 49ers Paradise that way. You can also call in your voicemails to 206-350-8474 for Indiana Jim's little voicemail uh, account. And the other way you can get in touch is just email to... Indiana Jim at 49ersparadise.cjb.net. You can send MP3 files 
through that if you like. If you have a microphone, you want to record an MP3 and shoot it off to me for feedback, you'll get it on the podcast and everybody's going to hear your voice. So I guess that's it. If you go to 49ers Paradise, you can go in the forums. If you 49ersparadise.com, if you go there and find interactive tab, click forum. And go on there. There's going to be a thread for leaving feedback for podcast episodes on there in the 49ers Literally section. If you want to go on there and leave your feedback there as well, leave your very short, witty take on the episode, and your feedback will probably be read on the next episode of the 49ers Paradise podcast. So here's to Thursday against the Bears. Go Niners. We'll see you next week.